Greetings to all of you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Pastor is recovering, continue to pray for him. And um, this Good Friday service, we will be sharing all the seven words that Jesus spoke on the cross of Calvary. <clears throat> and I'm going to start the first one in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. There's always a famous saying which says, to err is human and to forgive is divine. But Jesus did not forgive an error or multitudes of error, but a load of human sin, disobedience, arrogance and evil. And thus opened the way for clearing the guilt of those who accepted his forgiveness and to be reconciled to with God. What did and what he forgave them? You know, there's multitude of things that happened in Jesus' life, which I'm sure a normal human being will never be able to forgive. The Bible, first one I wanted to list to you is, he is betrayed by his disciples and others flee away. Matthew 26 and verse 50, the Bible says when Judas came to Jesus to betray him, Jesus looks to him and tells him, Friend, wherefore have you come? And Luke 22 verse 48, He said, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? In spite of Jesus asking, Judas, the Bible says, Judas came to Jesus in Mark 14 and verse 45. He said, Master, Master, and kissed him and betrayed him. What a pain that would have been in Jesus' heart. Jesus forgave this too. The Bible tells us in Matthew 26 and verse 56, all the disciples fled away, leaving Jesus alone. My dear brother, my dear sister, Jesus forgave this also. The Bible, the next one is they whip him and scourge him. The Bible says in Matthew 27 and verse 26, they released Barabbas, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Just think of it. Barabbas was an evil man. The Bible says he was accused. He was found guilty. But the crowd wanted him to be released. And instead Jesus was flogged unjustly. He was whipped unjustly. And on the cross when he was hanging, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Third one, they mock him. They place a crown of thorns, spit on him and say all types of evil and mocking things at him, both during the judgment and while he was hanging on the cross. Matthew 27, 27 to 31, the Bible tells us the soldiers took Jesus into their custody and then they plated a crown of thorns, they put it on his head, a reed in his hand, and they bowed their knees before him, mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Not only that, they spit on his face and they plucked the reed from his hand and they hit him with that on his head. The Bible says in Matthew 27 verses 41 to 44, even the chief priest mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down now from the cross 
and we will believe him he trusted in god let him deliver him now and the bible says even the thieves looked at him and mocked him the same thing but he looked at all these people he looked to god and said father forgive them for they know not what they do this loving words of jesus divine words words that forgave opened the heart of the, one of the thieves and he asked jesus jesus remember me when you come in your kingdom and that man that thief on the cross when he repented and believed jesus he received forgiveness and then the next one is false accusation matthew 14:55 to 56 the bible says the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against jesus the many false witnesses came but the witnesses did not agree together jesus still forgave them and said father forgive them for they know not what they do the bible says next one is the denial of peter john 18 verses 25 to 27 the bible says peter denied jesus he denied knowing jesus he said i don't know him and finally blasphemy the bible says in matthew 27 39 on 39 they hurled insults at him shaking their heads and in luke 22 63-65 people mocked at jesus and then smote him and they blindfolded him and struck him and many other blasphemously spoke they against him in the midst of all this jesus chose to say father forgive them for they know not what they do he's teaching us a very valuable lesson my dear brother my dear sister you and i maybe facing some of them maybe not this other things but i want to tell you that you and i can never face more than jesus we are sinners redeemed by his grace but he is god in human flesh but he chose to forgive what is forgiveness forgiveness can even lead to the feelings of understanding empathy compassion for the one who hurt you hurt me forgiveness brings peace and helps us to go on with life paul said now abides faith hope and love the greatest of this is love you and i need faith to face the present you and i need hope to face the future but you and i need love to forgive the past and unless we forgive the past we will never arrive at the present only when we arrive at the present we will have a future hope the offer comes to you and me it's a choice ask god during this easter good friday time lord help me to forgive all those who hurt me take steps to reach out to them and god will surely bless you god bless you amen this song is written by star townsend and he imagined himself to be in the crowd that mocked jesus and jeering at him making fun of him and he later realizes uh, that it is for his sin that jesus died and we were like that our sin and our rebellion was the one that caused him to hang on that cross and maybe we filled with the father's love as we sing this song and come near to the cross amen
the Lord. Greetings to all in the name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's meditate on the second saying of Jesus Christ on the cross. In Genesis chapter 3, God the Father spoke seven sayings after the mankind had sinned. And the next update or the response to those seven sayings came from Jesus Christ on the cross. We are going to see three things today. Number one, what is the second saying that God spoke after the mankind had sinned in the beginning? Number two, what is the next update that Jesus Christ spoke on the cross? Did Isaiah prophesied about this. So these are the three things we are going to see today. Genesis chapter 3 verse 11 records the second saying of God the Father after mankind had sinned. Let me read it for you. Genesis chapter 3 verse 11. I am reading it in the NIV version. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? God had planted a garden in the east 
and he made all kinds of trees out of the ground in the middle of the garden there were two trees one the tree of life and the another tree the tree of knowledge of good and evil god gave permission to adam and eve to eat fruit from all trees except the tree of knowledge of good and evil this means adam and eve are free to eat the fruit from tree of life both adam and eve did not eat fruit from the tree of life but ate fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil one lesson that we could learn from this is if we do not do the things that we should do then we would end up in doing the things that we should not do i repeat if we do not do the things that we should do then we would automatically end up in doing the things that we should not do as a result of god second saying after the mankind had seen in the beginning mankind was expelled from the garden and they are forbidden to eat fruit from the tree of life in short the mankind lost the fullness of life mankind lost the peaceful life mankind lost the garden's life this has happened in the beginning now coming to the cross luke chapter 23 verse 43 records the second saying of jesus christ on the cross luke chapter 23 verse 43 let me read it for you i am reading from the niv version luke 23 43 jesus answered him truly i tell you today you will be with me in paradise the word paradise means garden after atoning for mankind's sin jesus said even if you die today you will be with me in garden in the beginning mankind was expelled from the garden jesus christ on the cross brings mankind back into the garden what is there in the garden revelation chapter 2 verse 7 says revelation chapter 2 verse 7 i am reading it from the good news translation if you have ears then listen to what the spirit says to the churches to those who win the victory i will give the right to eat the fruit of the tree of life that grows in the garden of god so after atoning for the mankind sin jesus christ brought mankind into the garden and whoever has win the victory the reward is to have the right to eat the fruit of tree of life 
that grows in the garden of God. We have seen two things. One, what was the second saying that God the Father spoke in the beginning after the mankind had sinned and what was the result of that and what was the next update that Jesus spoke for the second saying on the cross and what was the uh, result of that. So now we will see whether did Isaiah prophesies about this. Turn to Isaiah 53 verse 5. Isaiah 53 verse 5. I am reading from the NIV version. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. Please underline the sentence or the phrase, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. I am reading the same verse in New American Standard Version and it says, the chastening for our well-being fell upon him. Jesus Christ took the punishment on the cross for our sins and brought us the fullness of life, the peaceful life and the garden's life that were lost in the beginning. Hallelujah! May the Lord bless these words. Because of the cross, our chains are gone and we are free. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Let's sing this and worship the Lord. He 
His mercy reigns, amending love, amazing grace. My chains are cold, have been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. Unending love, amazing grace, unending love, amazing grace, unending love, amazing grace. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Church. I'm speaking on the third saying of the cross, which is taken from John chapter 19, verses 25 to 27. Let's read it from the Bible. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Family is a very important design of God's creation. He is the creator of marriage and families. God the Father, Jesus the Son are all family and relationship terms. And no wonder Jesus came through a family. We see Mary here who had surrendered herself to the will of God even before the birth of Jesus. And today she is witnessing her son is in trouble arrested, tried, condemned and now dying, which is the most difficult for any mother to see. Considering the fact that Jesus was just 33-year-old young man, it would have been a very difficult thing for the mother to go through to see her son dying right in front of her eyes. Surely Mary's place was close to her son. She was by the side of her son to the difficult phase of his life. Jesus was going through one of the most difficult phase of his life and his mother was right beside him. Here was a mother whose heart was broken and she's able to see that Simon's prophecy which was written in Luke chapter 2 verse 35 comes true at this time. It was done during the time of Jesus' dedication and she's seeing that it's coming to pass where the word of the Lord said, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And that, that was exactly what the mother was experiencing at this time. Next, we see the disciple whom Jesus loved very much. Who is this disciple whom Jesus loved very much? We see that this word Jesus loved very much, the disciple whom Jesus loved mentioned, is mentioned four times in the Bible and only in the Gospel of John. This disciple is clearly identified as the author of the Gospel of John, that is John himself. John chapter 21 verse 24, we can see that. Church tradition identified this as John and that the writer doesn't want to identify himself just because of modesty. So he doesn't mention his own name saying it is me, but instead he says the disciple that Jesus loved. He was the son of Jesus, mother Mary's sister, who was the other woman who was with Mary during the time of Jesus' death. Her name was Salome and the other lady who was with them was Mary Magdalene. Probably the other disciples were standing far away. He was the only male disciple we can see that who was close, standing very close to Jesus at this time. 
and we can say that Jesus trusted John more than his own brothers that he gave the responsibility of taking care of his mother to John. Now I would like to come to Jesus as we reflect on the third saying on the cross. We can see the extent of Jesus' love in this. Here he is dying in agony, gasping for each breath. And during this time, he sees his mother, the one who comforted him through childhood, through the cuts and bruises, to the taunts and teases that he would have gone through. Probably he would have run to his mother and she would have held him in, his, in her arms and comforted him whenever he needed it. And now he sees her at the foot of the cross, heartbroken, weeping, inconsolable. His heart goes out to her. Rather than being consumed by an understandable concern about himself, here was a son who was concerned about his mother. She is a widow. She was soon going to be a widow who will be known as the crucified criminal's mother. Life would not be easy for this mother. Jesus sensed that she will be best cared by John. There are few lessons that we can learn from what Jesus did for families at this time. The Bible speaks about honoring parents and Jesus. And through his life, Jesus showed that this is very important. The first thing that we can learn is love for our family. None of us have perfect parents. No matter what, we must love our parents. Sometimes we are misunderstood. We also disapprove of our decisions that we take by our parents. They can hurt us. But even then, even Jesus himself went through us, went through that. He was misunderstood by his own family, even his mother. We see in Mark chapter 3 verse 21 and 31 to 35, his family thought he was out of his mind. And we see that his, his uh, brothers and, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, came to confront him and take him back home. So he was misunderstood by his own family. Again in John chapter 7 verse 5, we see that his own brothers did not believe in Jesus. Whether her family understands us or approves of us, whether we can trust them or not, we are called to honor them. This is clearly given in Exodus chapter 20 verse 12. Christ-powered love can heal the hurt from our families. We must love our parents and our family. Cross signifies emotional healing. It is a place of healing that Christ showed it on the cross by caring for his family, especially his mother. So we are called to love our parents no matter what we are going through. No matter what the hurt is, we are called to love our parents. And next we see responsibility for our family. Second, we are responsible for family obligations. Being a firstborn, we can see that Jesus was truly responsible. If he's making a statement like this from the cross, it means that he was responsible even earlier taking care of his mother. He was the son of God. He came to earth on a mission. He was ministering continually, preaching, teaching, healing, doing miracles. He was continually busy, yet he did not forget his responsibility. Our obedience to Christ must be primary, but we must not ne neglect our family responsibilities. No matter how busy our schedule is, Let's take time to be responsible for and care for our families. Here was Jesus paying the highest cost for our sins. Physical cost of going through excruciating pain of dying on the cross. Mental cost of insult, abuse, being stripped naked and everything. And yet, 
and the spiritual cost of enduring the wrath of God and yet we see him taking responsibility for his family. We can say that all other sayings that we have seen are unique to the cross except this one. He could have done it any other time. He could have called mother, he could have called John separately and he could have told it any other time. Why did Jesus choose this time, significant time to tell this saying? Here was Jesus setting an example for us to follow. Here at the end of his life, Jesus intentionally chose to tell this. Jesus is showing the tender love of a son towards his mother, even though she, he was misunderstood by his mother. He is revealing the father heart of God. God wants to love and care for you in the smallest details of your life. He wants to bring emotional healing into your family. He died on the cross to bring emotional healing for us. If you are here struggling in your family, you are not having the right kind of relationship with your parents, with your brothers, with your sisters, let me encourage you, Christ died on the cross to bring healing and restoration. And I pray that you will have that healing in your family life. If at all you don't have that healing, let's pray this day that God would bring that healing into your family. God would bring healing in that relationship. God considered relationship very sacred. Jesus gave importance to relationship, importance to his parents. In the same way, let's pray that we will have that responsibility. We will have that love in our heart, the care in our heart to give responsibility and to take care of our families. Let's just bow our heads and pray at this time. Father God, we pray. Lord, even as we looked at how Jesus took care of his mother, even on the cross, even through that pain that he was going through. He, he really cared for his mother. He took care of his family. Lord, I pray even at this time, oh Father. Lord, we are here, many, many of us with broken families, oh Father. Lord, I pray that you have come to set right. You died on the cross to set us free. You died on the cross to heal all our sickness, even our emotional sicknesses, oh Father. Lord, we see that many families are going through difficult times, oh Father. Pains, hurts, Lord, misunderstandings, oh Father. Lord, even at this time, we pray that you will bring your healing into the families, oh Father. You will restore families that are broken, oh Father. And I pray that your presence will continue to guide us, help us, give us the wisdom that we need to take care of our families, oh Father. We thank you, dear Lord. Glory be to your name. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Shall we all join in and sing that song? I'm forever grateful for the cross You did not wait for me to draw near to you But you clothed yourself in frail humanity You did not wait for me to cry out to you But you let me hear your voice calling me
everyone i'm speaking on the fourth saying on the cross that is taken from matthew chapter 27 verse 46 and mark chapter 15 verse 34 i'll just read from mark uh, sorry matthew chapter 27 verses 45 and 46 from noon until 3 in the afternoon darkness came over all the land about 3 in the afternoon jesus cried out in a loud voice ela ela lama sabachthani which means My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the same that is given in Mark chapter 15 verses 34. You might wonder, how can Jesus say this? Is it even possible that God could forsake his son? How is it even possible? Probably there are many questions regarding this. What really happened? Why did Jesus say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The meaning of the word forsake is to turn away or withdraw. We see that Jesus was 100% God and 100% human. And as Jesus is fully human, he experienced being forsaken by the Father. Jesus had never experienced this separation from the Father before. In John chapter 17 verses 22, he says, even as he prays, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Here they're speaking about Father and Son being one. Later in the verse he says even as you have loved me we see that God and Jesus had perfect unity they were in one spirit Jesus did go through excruciating pain on the cross but nothing compared to being separated from the father he could handle humiliation verbal abuses slaps physical torture he went through shame he was made to remove his clothes and he was hung on the cross naked and even in luke chapter 23 verses 13 to 24 we see that his own people the jewish people the leaders cried out and said crucify him crucify him he was rejected by his own people if it was too much to be rejected by his own people it was worse to be rejected by his own father rejection is the deepest wound of the human spirit Mother Teresa once mentioned not being loved is the worst sickness rejection is an epidemic it is the number one sickness the number one craving of every human being is love to be loved jesus was letting out agonizing cries there was no answer from god the father because jesus identified with our sin god had to deal with him as he was dealing with sin Jesus was forsaken by the father at this time because he was seen as sin. John the Baptist spoke about him saying, "Look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." He came for this very purpose. Jesus knew that this was the purpose that he had come in the world for. Even what he had to go through was prophesied thousand years back in Psalm 22, the messianic psalm. We'll just look into it if you turn your Bibles to Psalm 22. The first verse of Psalm 22 says, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" The same words thousand years back were spoken. And then when we go down the verses, we see in verse 14, "I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint." 
Verse 15 My mouth is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth you lay me in the dust of death and then we see in 17 and 18 all my bones are on display people stare and gloat over me they divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment what he was about to experience was already prophesied 1000 years back and he was just going through this this is for the people who were standing there and seeing they were they were able to understand that this was already spoken what he was going through but even then it was so difficult for jesus to go through this yesterday night when i was just thinking and imagining life without god it seemed so unbearable i could only feel darkness and wickedness without god can you imagine life without god here the bible says from noon till 3 in the afternoon darkness came over all the land what jesus would have experienced here is not just physical darkness that had come over the land but also the spiritual darkness that he felt that would have been unbearable for jesus if we cannot bear the thought of being away from god can you imagine the son of god experiencing this but he went through this for our sake he went through rejection for our sake he carried the sins that we had to carry after jesus gave up a spirit in matthew 27 51 it says at that moment the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom where only the high priest was allowed to go before this what jesus did gave us room to go into the presence of god jesus went through rejection so that we will be accepted one sacrifice perfected everything jesus paid it all for our sake we have all gone through rejection rejection is one of the highly experienced epidemic some of us have experienced it in the womb itself some of us during our childhood our school days some as teenagers some even after you're married even through your spouse you've experienced rejection by in-laws and other people you could have experienced rejection this is the worst kind of sickness it is one of the biggest stronghold of our life the good news is we are completely accepted in christ because of what jesus did on the cross for us he was rejected so that we could be accepted we can confidently come to his throne of grace because we are accepted in jesus jesus cried out to god that day my god my god why have you forsaken me we can cry out to god and he is there to listen to us he understands when we cry out to him because he has gone through it jesus went through rejection when you are going through it jesus understands it completely so you are not alone in what you are going through my friend and we see in hebrews 13:5 he says i want to leave this with you it's the word of the lord says i will never leave you nor forsake you this is the word of the lord for us he was forsaken but he will never forsake us we are never forsaken if you have gone through rejection i just want to encourage you in jesus you are completely accepted in him there is wholeness in him there is acceptance for you and i pray that you will experience this acceptance in jesus let's just close our eyes at this time and just pray a small prayer father god we just want to come into your presence oh lord thank you lord you were rejected for our sake you took the sin upon you o oh father and died for us on the cross o oh father 
Lord, you went through separation from the Father just because you loved us so much. Lord, even at this time, there are many of us here who have gone through rejection, O oh Father, who have gone through pain, O oh Father. Lord, thank you, Lord. In you, we are accepted, O oh Father. Lord, there is complete love in you, O oh Father. Thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love, O oh Father. Thank you, Lord, that you will never leave us nor forsake us, O oh Father. In you, we are loved in you we are respected, in you we are honored, in you Lord we are never rejected oh Father we thank you for this love we thank you for dying on the cross for us, thank you for paying the penalty for our sin and dying for us oh Father, we thank you and we glorify your name, we ask in Jesus precious name, Amen Let's sing the song Amazing Love, How Can It Be I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned. I'm alive and well, spirit lives within me because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be? You're my king who died for me Amazing love, I know it's true It's my joy to honor you Sing again Amazing love, how can it be That you're my king who died for me Amazing love, I know it's true It's my joy to honor you In all I do I honor you In all I do I honor you I'm forgiven Because you were forsaken meditate on the fifth saying uh, on the cross where the Lord said I am thirsty John chapter 19 verse 28 to 30 says later knowing that everything had now been finished and so that the scripture would be fulfilled 
Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. And so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on the stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The Bible says that the scripture had to be fulfilled. And Jesus was a man who fulfilled the scriptures. And uh, uh, Psalm 47 to 8, it says about Jesus, another prophetic word. Then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. Jesus was a man who fulfilled almost 300 prophecies. Did you notice what he said? It is written about me in the scroll. Every aspect of Jesus' life, he aligned it with what God had to tell and what God had to do. John chapter 5 verse 30, Jesus said, I will not do anything on my own accord. In fact, I do nothing with my own strength. I only do what I see my father doing. And apart from my father's will and my father's act, I will not do anything. And that's what John chapter 5 verse 30, John chapter 5 verse 19. In both verses, Jesus echoes aligning with the father's will. And uh, just let's look at uh, this a mathematician, Peter Stoner, chairman of the Department of Mathematics and Astronomy, uh, at Pasadena College and he was passionate about biblical prophecies and in his study he came about 300 prophecies uh, that Jesus fulfilled predictions from the Old Testament and takes on studying eight prophecies and in his conclusion this is what he says in his book Science Speaks he says the odds of anyone fulfilling this amount of prophecy are staggering and this is what he puts out. Very interesting. Let's take a look. One person fulfilling eight prophecies in the world. One person fulfilling the probability is one in 10 to the power of 17 zeros. Eight prophecies. Now one person fulfilling 48 prophecies in his lifetime. He says one to the power of 157 zeros. That's the chance of fulfilling. If one person on the face of the earth in one lifetime fulfilling 300 prophecies, only Jesus could do that. No wonder he's the unique son of man and son of God fulfilling. Jesus fulfilled. He kept his word to the end. And so even on the cross, the word that he said, I am thirsty, he did it to fulfill a scripture from Psalm 69 verse 21. What a God we have. What a God we have, a God who fulfills every word, every promise of his is yes and amen. The Bible says that he accepted the drink this time. There are two times that the Bible says that the drink was offered to Jesus. One is before crucifixion, Matthew chapter 27 verse 34 and Mark 15, 23, there are two scriptures where Jesus was given a drink and his wine was mixed with myrrh. And this was done to a criminal who was going through this excruciating pain, the process of crucifixion. And they offered this drink first to Jesus. Somehow 
sympathizing with him so that the pain will be will be somehow weakened loosened in his body but jesus did not accept it why he did not want any discount on what he had to go through as far as the father's will is concerned he was totally committed to the task he said, I fully submit three times in the garden of Gethsemane. Father, take this cup away. He could have taken the drink then, but he refused. Take this cup away, yet not my will, but your will. For the sake of your will, for what you purpose before time and eternity, for all that you wanted to show love to mankind, I will go through. And Jesus went through that pain. Right coming after being crucified, and he had to... Ask that one time, I'm thirsty. Why did Jesus say, I'm thirsty then? And why did he want that sip? The Bible says that they offered him the drink. He just received it. And after that, the soldier would give him that. He just received the drink just to muster his strength for that one last word that he would utter from the cross. And if the soldier, you look at that soldier, let's look at the experience of the soldier giving that drink to Jesus. What it meant to take a look at Jesus as he was going through his slow death. If you take the whole process of death on the cross, Peter would sum it up like this. First Peter chapter 2, 22 and 23. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he did, made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges rightly. Jesus never abused. It was very unusual for the Roman soldiers to see a man like this. That they offer him a drink second time. In fact, that wine mixed with vinegar was a drink of the soldiers. They used to take it. They had a long work to do and they offered it with a sponge. That sponge was used to keep it underneath the helmet of a Roman soldier. And so this soldier took it out. And you, anyway, you cannot take a cup and drink. You're crucified. Your hands are nailed. And Jesus was offered the sponge. And yet they knew the uniqueness of this man. No threat. No verbal abuse. No cursing of people. No screaming out with, 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 with vulgar words. No barrage of words coming out. And look at Jesus. No deceit was found in his mouth. And then he offered. Knowing fully well. That this was a very unique man. And Jesus mustered that strength. Just to moisten his throat. For that one. One last word that he said. It is finished. Committed to the task. Till his last breath. And that's why Jesus said, I'm thirsty. Give me that one drink because I need to scream out and tell to my father, it is finished. Scream out over the hilltop of, of, of Golgotha and let that voice race through and get to know that it is finished. What my father commanded me to do, it is finished. Let me come to the last point as we uh, discuss. John is a very unique writer. In the uh, uh, Gospel of John, there is that water motif that we see from chapter 2 to chapter 7. In, in uh, John chapter 2, Jesus turns water into wine, water into wine. Chapter 3, 
unless you're born of water and of spirit, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Chapter 4, Jesus goes on to say to Samaritan woman, I am the living water. John chapter 5, there's a miracle at the pool of Bethesda, water. Jesus goes there. John chapter 6, he says, unless you drink of my blood, I am the true drink. And unless you drink of me, you have no part with me. You will not remain in me. And chapter 7, Jesus goes on to the feast of tabernacle. And the last day of the feast, he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. The one who said, let him come to me. He said, I thirst because he was 100% human. He understood humanity. I remember that song. He walked where I walked. He stood where I stand. He felt what I feel. He understands. The reason why he said I'm thirsty because he understands the thirst of mankind. Today, this pandemic on the planet, everyone is thirsty for an answer for life. Will I die? What happened to my little one? What's going to happen to the elderly? What's happening to the nations? What are, what's happening to those lying in the hospital? Is there life? Jesus knew it is that water of life that will turn the mankind around. And the one who said, I'm thirsty, knows your thirst. He sympathizes with the dryness of life. And Jesus said in John chapter 7, 37 to 39, on the last and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus said in a loud voice, as much as he was about to tell it is finished in a loud voice, Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living waters will flow out from within him. By this he meant the Holy Spirit. Rivers of living waters will flow out. A fountain will flow out from you. No wonder he said, I'm thirsty because he understands the thirst of mankind. And he's the same one who says, if you're thirsty, come to me. Come to me. And I will know how to quench that thirst. Not with wine. Not with the drink of pleasure. But I will give you the drink of living waters. And even as we meditate on the cross, as he said, I'm thirsty. He knows your thirst. And he is the answer to the thirst of mankind. Let's come to the fountain of living waters where everything that is dead, dry, decayed, dissipated will turn around into a fountain of hope, a door of hope, a living hope that is for sure. God bless you. Amen.